Hey girl, hey, my name is Randa Caraba, host of the Powerful Women Podcast, here to bring you real life stories and interviews that are gonna inspire you to become your most confident self. As the owner of Power Fit, I actually go so much deeper than fitness, both in life and in this podcast. So get ready to talk self-development, mindset, building a career and life you're completely obsessed with and prepare to level up to turn those dreams into realities. We're gonna cover hardships, failures, and what it truly takes to become a powerful woman of God. So as we started talking about our finances being primarily separate, I started having people ask, well, how do you think this aligns with the Bible? Because I have mentioned how I do view money from a biblical standpoint. And so, you know, if a marriage is one union and one unity and all for one family um, and two become one, well, does separate finances align with the Bible? You know, so let's kind of dive into that. Okay. First off, I want to say a biblical approach to money in marriage can be highly useful as it emphasizes shared values, financial responsibility, and effective communication. I feel like we have all of those things, shared values, financial responsibility, and effective communication in line with the way that we do ours. And I would think most families probably do and have figured out something that works in those lines. By following biblical principles, couples can avoid common financial pitfalls and strengthen their relationships or share and and strengthen their relationship through shared stewardship. Stewardship is huge. We're going to talk about this. It can also provide a solid foundation for long-term financial stability and God-honoring decision-making. Okay, so first things first. I feel like anytime someone thinks about money in the Bible, I feel like the verse to go to is 1 Timothy about the love of money. And I'll let you share that. Read that one, Grant. All right. The love of money, 1 Timothy. Godliness with contentment is a great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that can plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. First uh, Timothy. First Timothy six six through ten. So I feel like the biggest thing here is it's the love of money. Money is not a, a bad thing in the Bible. Money is not also I don't feel like money is idolized in the Bible. Money is not viewed negatively in the Bible. I feel like money is viewed very neutrally in the Bible and it is a tool. Absolutely. And I think where a lot of people go wrong in the Bible is that their love for money is that they are the Instead of idolizing God and worshiping God, our Almighty, and He is the one true King, money is now their God. Money is what they follow. Money is what guides them, which is completely the wrong decision, the wrong, the wrong way to go. And I think that with the Bible, you can take any verse you want and take it out of context, but anybody who truly studies the Bible and understands it, it's not that, yeah, money is the root of all evil, as, as they say. But it's the love. Of it's money. the love of money. It's the the greed. It's that. Like with money right now, like yeah, I've got a lot of money. But if I went broke tomorrow, it doesn't change who I am as a person. It doesn't change my love for God. It doesn't change my personality. Money is just a tool that we use to get along in life. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right. Um, it's we. God is supposed to be Almighty on His throne for sure, and there cannot be room for two Almighties on the throne. So the love of money cannot be at the same level or higher priority than God from a biblical standpoint. For it sure. is 
your relationship with God, who you are as a human being in Jesus Christ and honoring him and, and following him is number one by all means. Absolutely. Money is a tool and the love of money, that, that's the issue, you know? So, and then that can affect our hearts. So again, it's not that money itself is bad or that the Bible idolizes it or puts it down. It's really just a neutral tool. Um, and also like we were talking about like idolatry of, of money or worldly possessions, then it, it just becomes, I, I feel like a, a consumption. And listen, I, I like nice things like everybody else. Absolutely. I like nice things, but I really like to be the woman of God that I'm called to be. That means so much more to me. And so if I need to, you know, pass up this income or go through a hard season, season of investment and there is a lesson through that that God is working in me and through me that is so much more valuable in my lifetime in my marriage in who I am as a as a mother in who I am as a business owner and who I am as a friend or even someone who shares my life online um, touching other people than what new thing I can buy or what new sales goal I can hit absolutely um, okay so like we said the Bible says you can't love and serve two masters um, keep God on his throne versus the love of money. Because again, money can make us feel a false sense of identity, power, control, security. And like, we are supposed to get that from the Lord, not from money. And I will say, I have fallen, not proud to say, but, you know, coming from a very blue collar middle class family to making a couple million dollars a year by the age of 25. Um, again, there was a downturn there, so it doesn't mean it just always rides up but I did have some really big years in business at a very young age. Um, I did start to kind of like feel like my identity was in what I did or how I performed. And it wasn't because like someone told me that it was almost just like, I felt like what I did kind of showed this outcome in terms of numbers and numbers are like a measurement. Mm -hmm. And so then you kind of start to think that the more that you grow or you work or you reach or all these different things, it's going to like come out in these numbers when, you know, our, our journey of, of anything is not linear, whether we're talking weight loss, muscle building, um, our relationship with God, our, our marriage, our relationships, um, our business, our income. Ebbs and flows. Absolutely. And so, you know, I did hit a big downturn and you want to talk about getting like brought to my knees and being humbled. And quite frankly, again, I'm not proud to say it, but it happened for good reason. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, so all Miranda's, you know, my emotional life over here going through this. Um, I want to talk about this. Yeah, so what we give, we reap more blessings, and so I, I cannot agree with that anymore. Um, for some of the people that I I know um, here that they make good money, but they want to hold on to it. They don't want to donate anything. They don't want to give anything away. They don't want to use their blessings to help anyone else other than themselves generally I find to be some of the most miserable people in life. Um, and so just kind of watching some of the people I know, I'm not necessarily even saying friends of mine uh, that do that, just just watching people around town that, that do this, that we, we take the exact opposite approach. And my family, ever since I was a very, very small child, and from what I know of my, my grandmother and grandfather and stuff like that, giving back to the churches and the community, we we donate a lot of, of of either a physical dollars or b land or time resources and just things back 
into our community. We we love to. Um, well, I'll just kind of go over the very short synopsis of kind of what we've done. I think let, let's keep that okay. just because I want to really focus on the um, the lesson of it, and I right. love that you said more than just money because I think that you know I came from a family to where. You know, we couldn't tithe 10% of our money. And I don't think every family does tithe 10%. And quite frankly, we don't tithe 10% of our, of our money. But sure. I think there are different ways that, yes, there is money that is given back to our church. Mm -hmm. But also there's time, there's resources, there's other ways of giving back. Um, even through businesses, like I'm doing a $50,000 challenge, you know, right. things like that that are giving back to, yes, ultimately it's a smart business move. But it's a very expensive business move that I could have used elsewhere right. um and so just different things like that for listeners that you know i think of the way that we gave back besides just you know a couple of dollars here or there in the basket in church growing up was our, our time and our volunteering for sure you know of the church or of the community and so you know i think giving back is is different for everybody Honestly, maybe it's you or someone who is complimentary online of people. Like instead of just scrolling and consuming media, you actually you're a cheerleader. You're a cheerleader, and so maybe that's your way of giving back. Um, it doesn't have to come down to a certain dollar, um, but I do think that we have, as a society, gotten too far away from. Um, I don't think that we need to give in the sense of for attention or for boastment or to be put on some pedestal. And that's why I honestly wanted to stop you there. I didn't yep. want to go into that because I didn't want it to seem like it was coming off that reason. But then I think with social media, some people think, well, if you don't share about it, then you don't do it or you don't do enough of it. Or if you do share about it, you're only doing it for that attention. Like I've got something planned this fall that is very stewardship based that is going to be shared. And I'm like, I don't really care how it's perceived because I want to share about it so that it helps touch and spread more people. And so I feel like doing it for the reason of only getting blessings back, it, I feel like it's your heart. Absolutely. You want to do it because you genuinely care. Like one of our big charities we is the Brazos County Youth Livestock Auction. We are huge support, supporters and proponents of, of these young agricultural kids that, that raise animals and show animals and have their projects and everything else just because it's, it's the lessons you learn. It's the the waking up at 6 a.m. to go feed the pigs. It's, you know, putting in the time to show the cattle. It's, you know, how you line up your goats right. No, we're raising just, the, next, the next generation of, you know, community leaders. And those correct. that will be Absolutely. You know, doing jobs in, in our town. And so, yeah, I think, but, but at the same time, just because I don't think people necessarily need to give to be like put on some pedestal or always have their name put on some wall, you know, I mean, those things are great, you know, when they're byproducts. But I also do think, like, if you go back biblically, like, we are supposed to give back. Now, for me, there there's a very line in not giving too much to where then people just expect it. Right. Or people aren't going to work for themselves. Because, obviously, you know, we still struggle in, you know, everyone kind of entering the world at a very common ground because there's some people who are born into families with more wealth than others or more, you know, um, poorness than others, things like that. But for me, I'm all about giving, but I will say there are people who are more giving than me. You know, I'm not the, the biggest giver, but I'm not the smallest giver. I'm, I am comfortable giving where I, where I do, whether that be time, money, resources. Um, I love to, to touch lives and impact others, but also, um, I don't want to give too much to where it's just expected. Um, maybe 
not earned. Right. I think that's where it would breed laziness in people that just want to have their hand out. Uh, we are all about helping people that want to help themselves. Yes. I think that's the yes, best, that way is the best, best way to say it. We want to help people who help themselves versus people that don't want to use something giving to them to try to better their current situation. Correct. Absolutely. Great way of saying it. Okay, so I wanted to kind of share a few of our favorite verses in terms of money in the Bible. I feel like this would be really good. So I'm going to go ahead and start, and we'll kind of take turns. Okay. So Proverbs 13, 20, 13, 22. Sorry, that word. So Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. And I have to say, I don't know if this scripture would hit me as deep as it did had I not married into a marriage like with that I have with Grant. Right. Because another really big thing that Grant has taught me in financial planning and um, estate planning. Estate planning and generational wealth is, you know, we make decisions that are for, for Croy and his children rather than just doing for ourselves right now. Absolutely. You know, one case in point is that we've set up a trust fund for Croy. And, and this is common knowledge that anyone, you can give, each person can give away um, $15,000 uh, of free money to Croy. Like, I can give him fifteen grand a year for free, non-tax, while Randy can give him fifteen grand. My dad, my mom, like, all the, you know, Mimi Popey, you know, all the, all the relatives can give him as much money as they want for free uh, that's not free is, going there. Free means tax it's non, free. Non -tax, yes. It's tax free, yes. And so uh, we do that. And so instead of going on a extra vacation, I'd rather give my kid, me and Rand, a combined can give him 30 grand a year that can be put in towards an investment that can grow. And once you start talking about compound interest and everything, uh, and then plus what my dad and other family members can, can give into the trust every year, we think about that before we schedule vacations, before we do anything, it's how do we first and foremost, you know, fund the trust, then we, we have like an order of operations of how we want to... Which can be very, um, again, talking someone who was much more insecure in terms of money, I, I didn't have a, a trust fund. My parents did set me up with a savings fund, and so I had it from like showing animals. I had a couple thousand dollars to help put myself through college and then the scholarships, and I did. I had no debt. I put myself through that, and my parents helped teach me money principles as far as savings where they could, but I didn't have a trust fund. My parents didn't have that kind of money to give away. Not necessarily give away really is it. But at the same time, I don't want to say it's just giving away because, you know, the trust comes with strict guidelines that have to be followed. And he's not going to be a 17-year-old kid who can touch all this money. It's going to come in increments, and we don't have to break all those down, but yep. increments with different seasons of life as he gets older and older. Um, so that it is set up as a very smart generational thing to, you know, help him in business and his kids in business rather than just here's a bunch of money because we do work hard for her. So I don't want to just like give it away to the next generation, but right. I want to help set them up. And so I love that because yes. I, before this marriage would have probably been very like, I don't know, maybe even I had like a bad taste in my mouth of quote unquote trust fund babies because one time with my success with my store, someone basically just called me a trust fund baby and I wasn't. And so again, not having like a chip on my shoulder, but like, not that it would have been different had I been a trust fund baby, you know, cause you still have to work to 
grow and build even what you are given or started, whether you start with any handout or no handout or in, in complete debt, you know? And so I just think sometimes that term is, is tossed around in this negative light, meaning like you're just given everything and you don't work for it. And I would also assume that even though you came from a very different background than me, that you probably have a different perspective on that, that yes, you were given a start, but it doesn't mean that you don't work. Absolutely. And so kind of look, I was a trust fund baby and I, I say that proudly. I don't say that with any negative connotation. And I know a lot of my, there's some of my buddies in college uh, and I didn't ever tell anybody about it. I never told anybody I had a trust fund. Well, I mean, people aren't, aren't stupid. They kind of knew some of my good friends, but a couple of them were like, oh, you're just a trust fund kid. You don't have to work. You don't have to do this. And I'm like, but what you don't understand is you don't know the parameters of the trust. If I don't graduate from college, I don't get any. If I don't attain uh, certain goals that are set in the parameters of the trust, I get nothing. And basically, my dad said, if you don't achieve eight, you know, these three main deals, you don't have a job when you graduate. I'll give you your truck. I'll give you five grand cash. And you're out of the real world. You don't get anything if you don't meet these goals. And also, I mean, I feel like people just act like, well, you know, for instance, Donald Trump. I know he's a, you know, can... Polarizing figure. Yes, absolutely. But he was given money to start from his dad, but he grew that into so much more. But I feel like a lot of people just want to say, well, he was just given this where he was, yes, he was given the start, but look what he grew it into. And so I, I hate that this trust fund term can like have the negative connotation that it did towards me, but also that it can have a negative connotation of people like Grant where it's like, well, you're just given this and you don't have to work for it to where, again, whether you start from debt, from zero, or from something given to you, it's not necessarily where you start, but it's how you grow from where you started to, to then where you and are. And what I will say, what a lot of people with, with serious money will tell you, it's harder to keep and make money than it is, it, it's much harder to make money and keep your money that being given for uh, if you've been given it it's much harder to keep it than it is most people below it is where i'm getting with that i know multiple people that have been given some serious trust funds and have just blown it and do not don't grow it they don't care they don't work and, and i feel like that mentality is then held against anyone who had a head start with the trust fund. because you just you know everybody loves negative news and mm -hmm. so most people they only see that oh well you got a trust fund you're going to blow it and you're going to be worthless well, there's a lot of people my, like myself that I know that like I have a chip on my shoulder the other way. Like I'm a third generation. They always say the third generation blows it. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to work. You're growing it more than ever. Oh, I'm, yes, absolutely. And so I, I work very hard because I want to set my, you know, kids future up. Mm -hmm. And so it's just all about, you know. So this Proverbs 13, 22, really saying a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I feel like really helped me even come to better grips with the ideology of, of a trust fund because I think there's so many different kind of like negative connotations mm -hmm. that can go with it. Okay, Grant, you read one of yours. Yeah, so this is one of my um, favorite ones. It's Proverbs 10.4 says, Idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring riches. And I really couldn't agree more with that. It's that if you're willing to work hard, if you're willing to do the work and sacrifice and um, I feel like work hard is kind of tossed around too much and, and it's like too universal. Smart and efficiently. Yes. Because hard work can look very different for a lot of people. Some people it's their mind. Some people it's numbers. Some people it's financial deals. Some people it's risk. 
Some people it's actual manual labor. Um, and then some people are much more limited in where they are at to be able to just work hard and reach the next level because it does take more than just hard work. Like I feel like it takes a whole like concoction yep. to be successful. So I don't, I don't cut down you saying hard work, but I feel like that's tossed around so much that I think any, a lot of people can choose to work hard, but you have to do more than just work hard. You have to work smart and efficiently. Yes. And I, I think that's, and, and Raina couldn't have said it any better. I think she's exactly right on that. You know, yeah, so I've got a chip on my shoulder, you know, in my office that basically my work just may look very, very differently than your work. You know, yes, I'm working hard, but it just looks different. And so it's, um, it's just, it's just how you go. I feel about like everyone it. always thinks manual labor, but there's a lot of other hard work risks things that, that go into place too. But I also love that scripture because I feel like it really helps solidify me on lines of giving. Mm -hmm. Like again, I like to give to people who want to help improve and better themselves rather than just then expect the next handout. And so that's why I love to hear that idle hands make one poor because it's not just keeping those idle hands out. But if you are, are given a, a gift or a, a donation or a help or a a chance to to do more and to grow in an opportunity really utilizing that versus just not it not really seeing it for the gift that it is and, and using it in the way that it should be right. okay uh my next one is proverbs twenty one twenty. the wise have wealth and luxury but fools spend whatever they get so mine is proverbs twenty one twenty. the wise have wealth and luxury but fools spend whatever they get and i think that just really from a biblical standpoint, just reiterates the um, not spending every dollar you get, not spending everything on yourself, trying to be wise and smart with your, your money and your investments and um, less selfish, really. Um, okay, so God just, he doesn't supply money to satisfy our every women desire. So none of us are going to get every single want and purchase that we we have. Absolutely. Um, his promise is to meet our needs and provide an abundance so that we can help other people. It is when we accept this principle that God will multiply and then multiply our abundance as well. So as we've mentioned already, the Bible warns us about the emptiness of a life that is focused on material things. If we spend it seeking to collect wealth and possessions, we are bound to lead a life that is entirely void of any meaning, especially any meaning of living a godly life. Absolutely. So I think that's a wonderful spot to end this segment of the podcast in terms of finances and where everything lies biblically, but everything that the Bible has to say about money, even though our money is separate, I feel like Jesus Grant loves me, like Jesus loves the church, Grant provides for me and our family, just like the Bible says the, the man should for his family and all these other things I really feel like we are in line with. So whether it be, the, the Bible doesn't say you have to have your money all joint or all separate or how it's actually managed. It just talks about it being a tool and then ways of the marriage from the Bible. So we'll start the next series will be the Q and A. So I feel like one really, really big thing I want to hit on before we wrap up this podcast about, you know, kind of how we view money biblically, which is, this is still very much us just tapping the surface into it because it really was more about personal finances our money being separate um, in our marriage and then how did that tie in biblically so I feel like if we were to do one just straight on 
biblical money mindset that's different. And that's something I actually like to go over in my mastermind group course. So if you're into wanting more information, I do have a life coaching course where there's a monthly group mastermind. And this is where I could kind of go more into, you know, individual perspectives or your case scenario, how I would think biblically on the money management for you type thing. But Basically, it comes down to, and I'll let Grant interject in here too, because I feel like we kind of reach this point at different places in our lives and maybe even still have a little bit of differences. But as much as I believe in like the, my journey with God of that, I'm not in control. He is in control and things are in his time. Um, it's the same thing for money. Like we quote unquote own things here. You know, there's a difference in owning versus renting here, but I view in the big picture that I don't actually own anything, that it is all part of God's kingdom and that it is, you know, lent to me. And so, yes, I have to, you know, make smart decisions, set up businesses, find ways to generate income and money that God's not just going to like, like be a genie and say, Woo, here's like a million dollars on your bed, right. you know, for the day. But not to sound too woo-woo, I just truly feel like God gives you what you need and can handle and ways for you to grow. So like when Grant had that really big sales day two, two three weeks ago, instead of just like, oh, how can we spend this money or, or, you know, think that Grant did it all. It's like, thank you, God, for this blessing. How can we best use this money to grow and expand our territory, your kingdom, and ultimately what our life is for here on earth? Absolutely. And that was one of the first things when I did have uh, a big sales day, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it's my, my mindset was not, how can I go spend it and live lavishly and everything else is all right, what can I do to reinvest this, to, to grow it? But then also how can I use this uh, blessing? Cause it really was to benefit other people. That was our first mindset is like, you know, what am I going to do with the excess? You might, you know, do I want to donate to a charity? Do I want to help the church? Like, what, what are things I can do to help my community? And that was one of our, our first approaches for it. So I couldn't agree more. It, it's, we don't have anything without the blessings of the Lord Almighty. And we need to be very grateful and, and thankful of that. And if anybody thinks that they're the ones doing it all themselves without the Lord, I, I tell you, you're very mistaken. So just being humble about it and, and just trying to genuinely give back and, and, be thankful for what you have. Because the good Lord gives, but he also takes away. And believe me, I have been in um, scenarios where I am rising and hitting the top. And I have been in situations where I am falling and about to hit rock bottom and lose it all. And I think if you're in that situation, God, they're, they're hard to be in it. It's always, I feel like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But when you're in it, it's so much to be like, why is this happening to me? Or why are you making this so hard on me? Or why are my finances being so tight? Or why are my sales diminishing? And I feel like God really gets us to our knees sometimes to, to pray and to lean in on him. And he's always helping navigate us or mold us into um, the next level of ourselves or a better version of ourselves. And so I know when you're in those hard, hard seasons, it can seem like bad things are happening to you or you're so limited or feel like you're losing your business or losing your income. You know, I'm trying to relate this financially, but there is just so much bigger of a picture of everything. And I really loved what you said, Grant, about if you were to lose it all, it does not affect who you are as a human being. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Money is just a tool. And the, the, the quicker you realize that money is not the end-all be-all, and yeah, you need it 
to live and you needed to eat. And the smarter you can learn to use it as a tool to help you grow and reach more people, you know, does help you not only reach these financial goals and have like that freedom, but also to empower more people and, you know, have more influence, if you will. But yeah, it, as much as it's given, it can easily be taken away. And really, one thing that I want any listener here, I don't care if you've got $1 in your savings account, I don't care if you've got negative $100 in your account, um, work on things equally as much, if not more, than the money stuff. Like things that people cannot take away from you or things like Grant saying, if he lost all of his money, he is still the same person. Focus on your integrity, your character, your strength, your health, your wellness, your mindset, your, your confidence, your happiness, so many different things like that. Who you are as a human being in, you know, with Jesus Christ and what your walk of faith looks like. Absolutely. So sometimes I think our world gets a little too caught up on the money lavishes. So I wanted to kind of like bring us all back down. And I know Grant and I have tossed out some big numbers and you know, maybe some people it can make them feel empowered. Maybe some people it can make them feel like we're just, you know, not relatable. But at the end of the day, this is all to expand God's kingdom and to make you think differently about money and to think abundantly about money and abundantly about God's blessings, really. Completely agree. Well, thank y'all for tuning in. If you love this podcast, go ahead and screenshot it, share it to your Instagram stories, tag us, leave us a review, help us spread this word because I think this is one of our best yet. Thank y'all for being a part of this series. Bye. Thank Okay, so the Q&A actually ended up being episode one of our mini series. So this wraps up the third and final of our finance talk. I'm sure there will be more again in the future, but now we're going to get back to self-development, some interviews with some women, some health, wellness, fitness things. Y'all, we are less than a month away from people starting to turn in their entries for the PowerFit $50,000 challenge, which is crazy that this time is already here. Anyways, if you enjoyed this mini series, we would love to hear your feedback. Leave us a review, screenshot, share this to your Instagram stories, give us a tag, anything that can help us spread the word a little bit more. Thank you so much for being here and listening along.